If, if you're a guest with us, my name's John. I'm a pastor here at the church. It's great to be worshiping with you. You are joining us on the first Sunday of Lent. Lent began this past Wednesday on Ash Wednesday. If you were in the grocery store, you probably saw all the punchkis on Tuesday, right? The big blowout before Lent begins. Uh, if, if, if you're new to the season of Lent in the Christian church, this season is uh, intended to parallel the 40 days that Jesus uh, spent in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And Christians understand that to be a time when Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, actually, and it, in that time he wrestled with the big categories of temptation that are common to every human being in different uh, parts of our life, uh, uh, a- ambition and appetite and approval. And he wrestled with those things. And th- this is one of the things that we remember as we celebrate the season of Lent. Uh, Hebrews sums, up it, sums it up well. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Christians really believe this. Jesus has wrestled with everything that we might encounter. He really has. That's, that's what we trust. Ours might look a little different. We might think of it as a little different, but he, he has experienced what it's like to be one of us. And, and we hold on to that in this season. The season is, is bent toward repentance or a change of thinking, a change of mind toward what's really going on in, in our lives and in the world and, and turning back to God from wherever we've been facing. And we so often, at least initially, think of repentance as punishment, or at least we can. I don't know if you've been in that place. It, it feels like to repent means you gotta kinda humble yourself, lower yourself, and you know, take what's due to you and move on. But that's not the biblical understanding of repentance at all. That's more penance. Right? Religious stuff we do to make up for the bad stuff we've done. Repentance is all gift from beginning to end. The invitation is to turn back to God. And, and that's really what we do when as a church we celebrate the season of Lent. And this is really important at the front end. If you were with us for the past eight weeks during the Essentials series, you might have been present when we talked about salvation and what Christians believe and, and how the Bible has three verb tenses of salvation, past, present, and future. The Bible can say, we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And we unpacked that a little bit earlier, but the idea is that God rescues us from the penalty of sin when we initially trust Christ. That's the past tense, we have been saved. In the present, God is rescuing us from the power of sin. And in the future, God has promised to rescue us even from the presence of sin. So there's a fullness here. And as we come to Lent, we do not engage the season of Lent to secure salvation, we engage it to work out our salvation. This is about what's going on in the present tense, right? Jesus died for us and he invites us to live for him. And in this series, we'll be looking at the Psalms throughout the the, the season of Lent. And the Psalms are God's prayer book uh, and, and hymnal to his people. And in the Psalms, we find the whole spectrum of human experience kind of unpacked and therefore we can relate to the Psalms because they're articulating things that 
we experience and we can understand because we're experiencing them. And in that way, they're a tremendous spiritual resource to us. Right? Jesus didn't promise just to be with us at the beginning and at the end of our lives, remember? He said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus promised to be with us until the end, every step of the way. And the Psalms help us engage that Christ with us reality that, that we believe as Christians. So thus the series, Christ with us. And today, relief from guilt, Psalm 32. Let's listen to the scripture. The word of the Lord from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Do you remember what happened right after the fall in Genesis 3? Uh, if you're newer, newer to the Bible, you might not. This is it. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, right after Adam and Eve ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat, They knew they were guilty, they experienced shame, and they hid. It's the first thing they did. And ever since that time, our fallen instinct has been to hide, to hide from God and from others because of our very real guilt and the corresponding experience of shame that comes with it. And we hide, we cover up. We tell half-truths and sometimes flat-out lies to protect ourselves. You've experienced it. I know you have because I have. This is a human experience. It's a spiritual reality if we're being really honest, right? We all know it. And uh, as a side note, it's passages like this that really con 
convinced me initially and reassure me now that the Bible actually is God's word. I, I don't know how you came to faith. Maybe you don't consider yourself a person of faith. My story involved a lot of skepticism with this Christian claim that the Bible was the word of God. Kind of the only thing and nothing else was really up to that, that standard. I didn't really buy that. Uh, but I changed my mind on that, which is what the word repent really means, change your mind. I changed my mind and came to believe that the Bible actually is God's word because no other book, no other religious book, and I've looked at a lot of religious books, no other book names and explains the kind of experiences I have in life with such precision and clarity. Nothing comes even close. I'm a hider. I know it. Why am I a hider? And why is this experience common to human beings? How did we get to this place? And and why can't any level of rational argument or any amount of positive self-talk make that experience go away? Because I wish it would. What's going on here? Really? Really, what is it going on in me? The Bible answers that, you know. We hide because we are guilty. This is what Christians believe. We believe that human beings don't just have a psychological experience of guilt. We believe that we're actually guilty. And that that real guilt leads to appropriate shame because we actually are guilty. Guilt, shame, hide. I'm a hider, you're a hider. That instinct is in all of us. And and ever since the fall, we've been trying to hide in the dark, hoping that we can just conceal the secrets, contain them, and our world gets smaller and smaller in the worst case, right? And we go deeper and deeper into the proverbial bushes to hide from God and other people, just wishing that somebody somewhere would just turn the switch off and kill the lights completely. Then we'd be safe. But that is no way to live, right? Gladly, Christmas marks the moment that God jumped into the darkness with us for the purpose of rescuing us. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In Jesus, we don't have to hide anymore. But but some of us as Christians seem seem to think that the point of the gospel is to receive forgiveness and then tough it out in this life, keeping our secrets secret so that we can finally be saved in the end. Well, you got two-thirds of salvation there, but you forgot a whole big chunk in the middle. Yeah, we've been saved from the penalty of sin. Yeah, we'll be saved from the presence of sin. But what about the here, the now, the right now? Where God wants to save us from the power of sin. You know it in your own heart and mind and life. You know it. God wants to save us from that. The recovery world has a wonderful saying. You're only as sick as your secrets. How very true is that? 
You know, keeping secrets and hiding in the dark at the end of the day are no way to live. Right? King David learned that truth through an experience he had from, of moving from hiding to confessing, coming out of the dark. And it's the psalm we read about today. From hiding to confessing is really the movement in that psalm. It, w- it was quite a few years ago when a member of a church I was serving invited me to uh, join him in a group therapy session he was attending. It was a porn recovery group. He really wanted me to see what was going on because he thought that the content of that and the approach to people would be very helpful for people of the church. And I said I, I, said I would be willing, so he asked the therapist facilitating the group if I could come and hang out, and the, the therapist had some very appropriate concerns wanted to meet with me in, in advance, so we had lunch. I think he mostly wanted to figure out if I was a weirdo, you know, if I was going to show up with some kind of hellfire and brimstone presence in the group he was facilitating. So I think I passed that. I mean, I'm weird, but I don't think I'm that kind of weird. <laughs> um, and so we, we talked and got to know each other, and then, he, and then he also said, you know, I don't know that I would be comfortable with you just coming one time to the group because that would feel a little bit like I don't know, like you're going to the zoo to see the animals, you know, and that doesn't, that's not right, and I'm, I'm building a community. So if you want to participate in the group, if you want to come for six weeks, and if you're willing to make yourself transparent and vulnerable and be known as everybody else in the group is, then, then you can come. So I said, well, I can, I can do that. So I participated in a porn recovery group for six weeks. It's a pretty transparent setting. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a group therapy session like that. A lot of trust among these guys. Very completely open. Completely open book. So I got to know these men pretty quickly. And it was probably week three or four, right at the beginning of the, of the gathering, a guy came in and he just right away said, man, I've got something to share tonight. And so the, the therapist guiding it said, okay, you're up first. And so when everybody, everybody was gathered, we prayed together. He said, guys, guys. I've, man, I have got something amazing for you. You're never going to believe this. Look at this psalm. This psalm, Psalm 32. He said, guys, guys, look at these verses. Have you, have you ever read these? Look at these. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then... I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Can you believe it? He said, this is exactly what happened to me. It was like I was dying when I was covering this stuff up. And then when I confessed it, it was, it was like I was made brand new. You know, I was committed not to function like a pastor in that thing, but in, inside I was just rejoicing because I was watching spiritual transformation take place. And, and what I mean by that is I was watching this man connect a passage of the Bible to his real life experience and realize that they were both speaking the exact same truth. And it went boom. God's real. God did something for me, and I'm going to share this. Right? Hiding our sin is both life-taking and exhausting. It's right in the text. My bones wasted away. My strength was sapped. I had no energy. 
I mean, this is one of those spiritual realities where the truth is hiding in plain sight. Right? Every physician knows that emotional and psychological realities can lead to physical illness and weaknesses. Human beings are a package deal, not a silo of separate aspects like emotional here, spiritual here, physical over. I mean, we're just all in one and they all impact each other. Spiritual realities can lead to physical illness. In fact, the wages of sin is death. Sin will kill you, literally. But King David and and my buddy in that group both learned a very important lesson for every one of us who claims to follow Jesus. It's the before and after bit. When I kept silent, then I acknowledged. It's the difference between death and life. It's really that stark spiritually. God wants to forgive the guilt of our sin. That's what the gospel is all about. God wants us to be free. That's what my life verse is about. I love this. Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It explains why Jesus did what he did, what he hopes for us. He hopes us to be free. Not just to believe religious stuff in our heads, to be a person of integrity and wholeness and, and, and reconnection with God and other people, no longer needing to hide in the dark to protect our secrets. Right, because freedom from sin is a better way to live than in bondage to sin. It's, it's kind of plain. And when Jesus was with us, he said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. This is what he's talking about. Right? Living as a follower of Jesus really is a better way to live. Because we're encouraged to to, to live with integrity and be open to step out of the darkness, to come out of hiding, to reveal our secrets to our trusted friends, right? And and that's a lot better way to live because you're no longer wasting away having all of your strength sapped by all the energy you're investing in hiding or keeping your secrets secret. See, the idea comes right out of the text. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. You see the tenses of salvation right in this verse, right? Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Past tense of salvation. Rescued from the penalty of sin. Your sin not counting against you any longer because Jesus' perfect resume has been copied and pasted onto your performance record. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. But notice the verse doesn't stop there. Blessed is that person, yes. And blessed is the one in whose spirit is no deceit. You're blessed if the Lord no longer counts your sin against you, but you're really blessed, maybe maybe one could say fully blessed, if that is true and There's no deceit in your spirit, meaning you're not hiding anything on purpose. Willful sin holds no power in your life. And King David touched on this in his prayer of Psalm 19. As he's praying to God, he prayed this, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. He prayed that, I'm sure, because he's had the same experience that you and I have had of times when willful sin has actually ruled over us. 
where sin had rule and reign in, in our life. That's the exact thing Jesus wants to save us from. That's the whole point of the present tense of salvation. So, I mean, it leads to a very simple question. Are you hiding? What what are you hiding? I know, I know. Maybe you've been in that place for years and years and years and I'm touching on the soft spot and you're thinking, but I just can't. I can't go there. What do do I do? Gladly, the Bible is very practical. The scripture gives us the first step to come out of hiding, to come out of the dark. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right, saved in the present, right here and now. And we are not called to live our faith alone. We're called to live it with spiritual friends, people we trust. When we don't go here with everybody, but you gotta go here with somebody. You've gotta go here with somebody. It's not punishment. It's a massive invitation from God toward real freedom in your life. You know, one of the ways we work out our salvation with fear and trembling is by confessing our sin to a trusted friend. And they to us that we might pray for each other so that we might be healed. And you'll realize very quickly when you do that that God really is at work right now, in the present, in our lives. I mean, you better believe my new friend from that porn recovery group is still telling people his story. To this day, he's saying, wait, I I hear what you're saying, but this is what happened to me. And I imagine you've been on the receiving end of a witness like that, and you know that it hits with power because you know it's true. God really did do something for this guy. I mean, my friend's witness to the goodness of God and the power of the gospel is Psalm 32. And this gets to the next thing. Once we've experienced this reality, we have something to share with others. And when Jesus sent out the disciples, he gave them this command. Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. You ever thought about that part of the command when he sent them out the first time? Take nothing for the journey. Wait, what? You get it? He sent them out in a very vulnerable place, vulnerable posture for the purpose of fostering dependence upon Jesus. And the takeaway principle is that disciples of Jesus lead with vulnerability. So if you've ever had the experience of hiding, keeping something secret, and then confessing it, and experiencing the Lord's goodness and forgiving you in that, you have been given 
an incredibly potent witness to the grace of Jesus. That at the right time and in the right context, you are invited to use as you lead with vulnerability toward others. Because you've been on the receiving end of this too. Whenever whenever a good sister or brother in Christ uh, just opens up, leads with vulnerability and shares things that really by the world standards would make you not think too well of them. You know that they're not doing it to gain anything. Right? There's spiritual power in that as well. It might sound scary, but following Jesus in this way is a better way to live. It's better for us personally in our wholeness and integrity and how we experience life every day, our relationships with other people. You don't have to hide anything from them. You can just be you. And it's better for the world because our witness is real and people can sense that. Jesus is with us. Jesus wants us to be relieved of guilt that we might be free. Jesus leads us out of the death of hiding and into the life of confessing. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, please help us live as your children of light, not because it's another box on our religious to-do list that we need to check, but because you've invited us into that kind of life, a fullness of life with you, living fully in your light, not, not wanting to run back into the darkness at all. So bring freedom, God, for we know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we pray in your name. Amen.